What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. It is the night before the beginning of preseason camp. Things opened up today. Technically, we got a, a, a chance to talk with both of Auburn's coordinators and Brian Harson on the eve of fall camp, but things get underway in earnest um, tomorrow morning. I believe it'll be, I think Harson said today, around... 10 o'clock is when the, the first session will get on the field for practice. And then, uh, and then off we go. I mean, Brian Harson talks about it today. He gave us about a 120 second rundown of everything they're doing every single day. And, uh, you know, from sunup to sundown and it's about to be that time of year. And, uh, we've got a round table edition of the show here today. Jason Caldwell, Mark Murphy, and Philip Marshall are on today. And, uh, you, know, you guys, it's it's definitely we've got a lot of stuff to get into, including the TJ Finley situation. But uh, before we get going, it definitely is nice. This is this was one of the longest off seasons ever, just because of yeah, just because of the circumstances around Brian Harson and the fact that we had to loop back to that over and over again. Definitely was nice to get back in the building today, uh, Philip, and and actually talk about stuff that we're going to see on a football field and and be able to actually watch some real football being played tomorrow. Yeah, I think that was the first time I've been in that room since. Since the day that uh, Ryan Harson was introduced as head coach, but it was kind of nice actually. It was kind of comf- comfortable and and uh, it's kind of like the old days. It wasn't particularly productive, but it was uh, but it was it was nice to be in there. Uh, I don't know that I learned anything of consequence. I you know the the family thing. That's that's. Uh, I really think that's much ado about not very much, and uh, uh, but it was not very smart on his part. And and I hope I wrote this. I hope he learned the lesson because if you're an Auburn football player and you get arrested, it's going to be in headlines, and not only in Alabama but all over. And uh, uh, and that's just a fact of life, and you have to deal with it. 
but uh, I, I don't, and I don't anticipate that having any impact on what happens with him one way or the other. Yeah, that was. I mean, you look around today, and it was almost you know, a little surprising how much it was getting picked up. But like you said, if you're an SEC football player, that's just going to happen. So you know, if, if anybody doesn't know somehow, um, so TJ Finley was arrested on let's see Thursday. <laughs> Thursday morning, so the situation sort of unfolded. I believe it was around 1 o'clock when the first report started coming in, and then people started, of course, um, checking the records. But for the most part, things were resolved within like 45 minutes because it started becoming apparent that all that happened was that it was a planned thing for Finley to go and uh, and resolve a a traffic violation. Um, Previously, with the Auburn Police Department, um, I have pulled up here both statements from the police department and from TJ Finley's um, lawyer. We'll get to the police statement first, um, and I'll go ahead and read it verbatim just so we've got that um, covered. And it says, on August 4th, armed police arrested Tyler Jamal Finley of Auburn after he turned himself in for a misdemeanor warrant for attempting to elude a police officer. The arrest stems from Auburn police attempting to perform traffic stops of a male operating a motorcycle. Um, don't know if it was exactly a motorcycle, but right. <laughs> I don't, know, don't know if a moped is a motorcycle. If he was operating a motorcycle in that area, we might have some actual problems. Um, on two separate occasions near the area of Heisman Drive, South Donahue Drive, the male who was not wearing a helmet fled from police and committed several other traffic offenses in the process. Officers terminated the pursuit on both occasions as a matter of safety. TJ Finley was identified as the person operating the motorcycle and an arrest warrant was obtained. And then on August 4th, that, that's, that's Thursday, um, Finley turned himself in and was arrested in obedience to the warrant at the Lee County Jail, he was also issued traffic citations. Finley was booked and made eligible for a $3,000 bond. And then we'll go through here and look at the statement from uh, Finley's lawyer, um, Davis Wittesley, I believe, is representing TJ Finley in the misdemeanor arrest. Wittesley confirms the traffic violations occurred while Finley was riding a scooter without a helmet. Quote, the charges pending against my client, TJ Finley, are a result of a traffic violation and misunderstanding. The charges are in the process of being handled. In the municipal court within the city of Auburn, as all traffic citations are, as soon as TJ learned of the charges, he turned himself in and has been released on bond. He signed for himself his first day of football camp. Not exactly accurate. That's okay. First day of football camp with Auburn University has been a success. End quote. Um, you guys, there was TJ hopped on an Instagram live um, tonight with, a, with I, don't, I don't remember exactly, Jordan Schultz, um, some sort of NFL guy. Um, and was talking about it, gave a little bit more context. Um, the big thing that I took away from it was, number one, he said this was something the coaching staff had been aware of for the past few days, which made a lot of sense when you considered like it didn't seem to bother Brian Harson at all. He was like, yeah, we know. He was out there. He's here. He's going to practice tomorrow. Um, this was this was planned. Finley was there with his parents. Um, and then also he said he was in and out in 15 minutes. You know, the whole booking thing. He, he went in, you know, got the bug shot or whatever, um, and then got right back out. You know, this was something they had planned on doing. But um Jason, you know, it was something where at the beginning of the day, when there weren't as many details, obviously seemed a little more dire, but then very quickly dissipated to the point now where, and you saw, like Philip was talking about, you saw you know, more national people saying, there goes somebody from the Auburn quarterback competition. No. He's in the building, yeah. he's, he's practicing, and we'll see him tomorrow morning. Yeah, no, it's it absolutely really no impact. You, you're right. You saw Brian Harson, you know, the way he handled it, um, the way he discussed it. Um, we saw TJ Finley. If this had been, and, and unfortunately, we've seen some of these issues that, you know, in situations here covering Auburn that were much different than this. Um, this is not one of those times. Um, you're right. It, it creates um, headlines. It does those things for a few hours. 
And then when people realize, oh, there's there's nothing really to it, then that's it. The only thing to it is, um, hey, you shouldn't be riding a moped without a helmet. You get ready to play football and just for safety purposes. Uh, and if somebody wants you to pull over, pull over. That's that's the two things that 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 really uh, from this story as far as his you know involvement in, in the football thing. Hey, that he may have done some running, may have to do some running, some of those things, but that's just normal normal time. And uh, you're right, thankfully. Yeah, we can put this to bed and, and start talking some actual football. Yeah, another thing he said was he didn't he didn't suspect any sort of suspension. That's something he said tonight. Um, didn't expect that would be in the cards. Again, had conversations before, during, and after coaching staff was entirely in the loop. Um, and that's why it didn't seem to come as much of a surprise um, to them. So on the subject of what we actually got to talk about today, Mark, a um, bit of an interesting setup because we got the coordinators before we got Brian Harson, but um, you know, I've enjoyed talking to this is, you know, we're, we're starting to get to see them in person more often like we did in spring practice with, with Jeff Schmetting and Eric Keesaw. Um, and starting with Keesaw, that quarterback competition obviously is going to get underway in earnest um, tomorrow, but a lot of other interesting storylines there, um, including, you know, these names at wide receiver that we keep hearing that talking about guys like we want to see on the field tomorrow. Both of these guys, well, actually Dawson might be in the in the returnees practice session. You don't know. There's going to be returnees and then there's going to be newcomers. Um, but Tarvarish Dawson and, and Coy Moore, um, the praise just continues going on for both of those guys. And we got uh, you know some new number updates today. Uh, more praise for Landon King. He has finally uh, given a he's given a wide receiver number. I think 14 fits him uh, fits him a little better than number 40. But um, I mean I don't know about you, but it, Tomorrow, the wide receiver position, and obviously throughout fall camp, is going to be something really big to watch because they do definitely need some emerging playmakers there. Yeah, they weren't very good last year. They dropped a lot of passes, didn't run good routes, didn't block particularly well. Other than that, they had a decent season. (laughs) Uh, But in the spring, I didn't think they were all that great either. Uh, So there's certainly opportunity for some new guys to step in there. And uh, and do something. Coy Moore's gotten a lot of talk over the summer from a variety of different players. I think the coaches like what they see from him. Didn't put up big numbers at LSU, but was a highly regarded recruit. And he couldn't ask for a better opportunity to come in and play. And uh, I just got a feeling the wide receivers are going to be better based on what I heard about the you know, summer practices. So uh, you know, I don't think they have got much anywhere to go other than up uh, from last season because it was probably one of the poor wide receiver seasons I've seen at Auburn. So uh, they got numbers too. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see some of the younger guys step up. And I think Landon King is a guy who might end up being the leading receiver on the team this year. Uh, kind of interesting to say that a guy who was signed basically as a tight end, but uh, I think he's got wide receiver skills. He's tall. He'll catch the ball in traffic. He's got good hands. And uh, I think he's got enough moves you know, to take a 15-yard pass and make it into a 30-yard pass, Nathan. Yeah, that's something that Keesaw talked about. You know, he was saying, you know, not not that it was a difficult, overly difficult situation for him, but he was kind of flexing between those two spots. And he said, you know, it is nice for him now to be committed to one position and, and be able to, you know, focus all of his time on that. Similarly to, to, I'm sure we'll get to, you know, comments from Jeff Schmetting, and we'll actually, we got it confirmed by Brian Harson. It's something we've been talking about all offseason. We had been reporting it, but uh, Jeremiah Wright is moving back to the defensive line. So that shuffle continues for him. Um, and you know, there's somebody on our board today that says, wow, you know, he's got to be feeling a bit like a like a windshield wiper right now. But I was like, well, this was his decision. You know, Brian Harson said that he came to him and said and that that tracks with what we were reporting 
earlier in the offseason and said, this is what I want to do. I feel more comfortable along the defensive line. Um, and so that rotation, which Schmetting said today, he feels like could go eight or nine guys deep in the main rotation, which would be really big because they didn't play a ton of guys very many snaps last year. That could be big as well. Um, Philip, I, I, I think everybody in the room really enjoyed uh, both Keysaw and Schmetting talking about you know the, the adjustments coming from yeah. – where they had previously been, um, it was Keysaw who said the biggest thing was getting used to uh, people just saying "Hey" on the street. He said when he was a West Coast guy and an LA guy, having to, wait on, just, having to wait on his check for dinner. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, you know, these <laughs> both of these guys, obviously, um, you know, one of them, Schmetting, was in an assistant position last year. Keysaw started out as an analyst and then moved to be the wide receivers coach. But both of them have been in these coordinator positions under Brian Harson before. I can't remember if we I think it was last week, Jason, we talked about you know the importance of um the importance of of coaching continuity and you yeah. really can't you really can't overstate that kind of bond. Um, you know, Philip, I think that's gonna be a huge factor for their success this season, making sure that that link between, you know, obviously Schmetting and Keysaw and Brian Harson is a successful one because last year, particularly with Mike Bobo, it it, it wasn't always that way. Last year reminded me a lot of 2018 when uh, when Gus, after a highly successful season in 2017 offensively, when they scored 40-plus points in six out of eight SEC games, and quickly in 2018, Gus started to uh, get more involved on the offense because he just couldn't stand it. He never could. Uh, and so you ended up with – Chip Lindsay calling Gus Malzahn's plays. And I think that's a lot of – I think a similar thing happened last year. Uh, Mike Bobo was calling the plays, but they were Brian Harson's plays. And I just – I don't think that's a good situation. But now, you know, Keesaw and, and Smitty, uh, they know how he operates. And uh, he probably trusts them more just because he knows them. And uh, – and uh, it should help. It, sh- it should help a lot, you would think. And uh, uh, I think that uh, wide receiver, y'all didn't mention. I, I think I'm, I think uh, Shedrick Jackson might be a real a, a real difference maker this year. He's a you know a guy with that much experience and that's, that works as hard as he does. He's a valuable guy to have. But uh, uh, they got to stop dropping passes, as Mark said. I mean, they, they just dropped so many last year. They dropped enough against Georgia to be in the game. Uh, uh, but uh, I always find that kind of amazing because obviously these guys have been catching passes for a long time that suddenly they can't catch them anymore, even when they hit them in the hands. But uh, uh, but I think, you know, I look at their offense because I, I do think their, their wide receivers would be better, uh, and I think they got talent there. I'm one of the few people that has been saying for a while that I think their offensive line is going to be good. Obviously, Tyke Bixby is going to be good. Uh, uh, they got lots of tight ends. And the question is, do they have a quarterback? And uh, that's something we just don't have an answer for yet. Jason, that's that provides a good segue to what you uh, to what you wrote this afternoon. Um, again been talking about it all off season just over and over again and you know um it was great to see zach calzada working it was great to see you know those videos of him and all that kind of stuff obviously robbie ashford ended on a high note team tj finley whom we talked about a, a good bit at the top of the show has the most returning experience in auburn's offense um 
But man, let's just get this thing going tomorrow morning and uh, and finally get a quarterback competition. And you, your question today to to Brian Harson got a little bit more clarity, and 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 Keysaw as well talking about you know what those rotations may look like, including Hold, Holden Gurner for the, maybe the first couple of weeks of practice. Yeah, I, I think especially for the first couple of days, when you start talking about splitting practices, um, Holden Gurner is, is the only freshman among the quarterbacks, uh, even including the walk-ons. They're all the older guys. Uh, They've got a, they've got a, they got a lot more reps in the offense than than Zach Calzada and, and some of these other guys do, um, based on what they've been through. But um, you look at it, and and this is an opportunity. You, essentially, you got four scholarship quarterbacks, and, and you would think that's the race. Trey Lindsey, um, Sawyer Pater, guys that pretty quality walk on quarterbacks, but but you would think it's a a four person race with among the scholarship quarterbacks. Um, to divide practices up means. You know, Holden Garner probably with the young guys. Um, and that's why I asked Brian Harson, how, how will you mix the other guys in? Because, you know, as soon as is you put one guy with Holden Garner, then everybody automatically jumps to, oh, it's going to be a, a two-man race. And even the team might do that. And so because of that, I think you're going to mix the quarterbacks in with those young guys to give them reps and and to get, you know, to get more throws, all those things in. And um, that's the important thing right now is, is as many reps as possible for those four guys to, because because you're you're talking about you know less than a month you're less than a month to football game, you know a week and a half or two weeks to to school starting in terms of the number of practice days you have so you're talking about a very condensed camp time to whittle down four guys to one and that's why I've been saying for a long time that there may be a starter named I won't be surprised if we see two different quarterbacks against Mercer to go okay. We know we got a guy that, that did it in camp. Now, let's see what he looked like in a game. Let, let's see who runs the show and, and does those things in a game and, and gets it going. I won't be surprised at all to see, you know, a couple of series and then another guy for a couple of series. And then let's say, okay, that's that's the final definition or, or you know, the final decision on a quarterback race. But you're right. It's, it's you know, it's it's one of the, the biggest keys you can have is, is a quarterback battle. You know, you know, first one we've had in a couple of years at Auburn, and uh, you know, you know, to Phillips' point, quarterback position is is really important, and it's it's the most important position on the field. But um, you know, we heard it today, got to be able to run the ball, and and they got to find playmakers at wide receiver because you can you can have a quarterback that plays pretty good, but if you can't run it, and uh, you know, the receivers can't catch it, and, and not making anything happen when they do, it makes it really Im- almost impossible for that quarterback to do his job too. You know, talking about running game, Jason, too, I think Jarquez Hunter is getting ready to have a really good season. If I'm the one of the Auburn quarterbacks, I'm throwing the football to Jarquez Hunter. I'm throwing it to Tank Bigsby because both those guys got good hands, and they're going to make my stats look a lot better, and they're going to help move the chains up and down the field. And if you got guys like that and you got John Samuel Schenker and those rest of those tight ends, too, I'm throwing the ball to those guys and build up some confidence, build up my stats, get the uh, offense going. And, and and then if you get the linebackers and safeties worried about those guys, you got a better chance of hitting those mid-range and long passes to Shedrick Jackson or whoever is going deep for this team. Yeah, I mean, if it's that's one guy I'm really looking forward to seeing back on the field. Obviously, Jarquez, I think about a week and a half of spring practice he was in there. Um, and they just, just decided to pull him out and do that uh, knee cleanup. Brian Harson said in the spring, 
it was time. It was a, it was a fine situation to do it. Um, we just needed to get it out of the way so that he could be recovered. And obviously, he he's been perfectly fine through summer workouts. I, so, somebody I wrote about is maybe having something to prove this season because you look at his numbers. He he, he is the number one returning freshman rusher in the SEC. So much of that is buoyed by like his first four games last year. Yeah. Um, so if you look at it again, he had a good season, but over the last eight games of the year, um, he had 146 yards, zero rushing touchdowns, um, and his yards per touch was at 3.1 yards. And over those eight games, he only rushed for 30 yards in a game one time. Um, so, you know, again, a, a nice season for a freshman, but I think maybe, you know, he's out to prove that, you know, people talk about this backfield, like, oh, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, you know, they're, they're one of the better backfields in the SEC. Well, Jarquez Hunter is going to need to be a little bit more efficient against, uh, against SEC competition. For that to be the case, um, Mark, another position group that was talked about a lot today was the linebacking core. It'll be really nice to see Owen Papo back out there. Obviously, the coaching staff and his teammates can't sing his praises enough. And it was, you know, they probably missed him a lot in spring ball, too. Just the fact that you're installing a not a new defense. You know, it was pretty much the same base, but you had a new defensive coordinator in there. Um, it was Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner were the main first teamers. Brian Harson also revealed today. Um, you know, we didn't see Eugene Asante sometimes in the spring. He missed the spring game. Brian Harson revealed today that was because he uh, was after the passing of his father. He he missed a little bit of time. So um, and then Robert Woodyard, the highest rated player in Auburn's 2022 class, checks in and is getting ready to go. So uh, this is also an interesting group that uh, you know, first and foremost, Owen Papo leads the charge there as the as the quarterback of the defense for sure. Yeah, I think this has got the potential to be a pretty good group. Uh, yeah, they lose their top two linebackers from last year 95 tackles for Zacoby McLean and Chandler Wooten had 94 and those guys played a lot of football for Auburn over the last three or four years but uh you know I think Owen Popo if he can stay healthy is going to be the leader of the defense and uh he was a guy that was named team captain last year as a junior which says a lot but uh, it was very frustrating year for him because he just wasn't healthy at all ended up with 27 tackles and only played in five games. So they need to keep him healthy. That's one of the most important keys to this season. Got a new linebacker coach, uh, Jeff Schmetting, who handled those guys as the coordinator this year. And, uh, you know, he sounded like he was pretty upbeat about the group. And, uh, you know, a player who stepped up in the spring was Wesley Steiner, very bright kid. He was an outstanding high school player over in Georgia. I think he's really serious about taking advantage of his opportunity this year. Um, not too sure about Eugene Asante coming in from North Carolina, how good he's going to be. I think he runs well. We'll see if he's physical enough to be effective in the SEC. Desmond Tisdale. Uh, Tisdale is a guy that has been around a while. They need him to step up. And I've been a big Cam Riley fan since he was in 10th grade when Jason and I saw him in a high school game down in South Alabama on a Friday night on our way to uh, uh, LSU, I think. And we went to check out another prospect at that game. And we came away most impressed with him, Jason. Yeah. You know, Cam's, you know, he's a guy that when you, you see him the first time, I, I it, it just brought to mind Carlos Dansby for me. And now Carlos Dansby is one of a kind in terms of freakish athleticism, but Cam Riley's now, he's now 6'5", 230. And, you know, we remember Carlos Dansby, you know, the first couple of years as, as a big safety and weighed about 215 pounds. And then you looked up there at the end of his career and he was 245 or 250 and it changed the dynamic of his play and, and the play of the defense. And you, know, you look at Cam Riley now at 230 and 
my guess is is that Cam Riley at 230 is probably faster than Cam Riley was at 205 just because of the, the muscle, everything involved. I mean, he's from you know, this small town, Hillcrest Evergreen. Um, you're talking about you know, the weight room, all the things that are different now for him on the Auburn campus. And now a couple of years in, the ability to change his body and do some of those things. We heard that a lot today uh, from different coaches talking about the changing of body. Shedrick Jackson's one. Uh, but but Cam Riley's another one of those guys. And now six five two thirty. That's that's a different kind of guy. You look at this Auburn linebacker group, and they're not a bunch of big bodies. Um, you know, Wesley Signers is is kind of a thick guy, but he's you know six foot tall. Uh, obviously, Owen Popo's not not a big big huge guy. Uh, Eugene Asante is built more like a, a small running back than he is a linebacker. So Cam Riley is a different type of dude, and if he can turn it loose and and kind of fit into that body, then he could be a difference maker. I think he can be a really good outside pass rusher, too, if you stick him out there on third downs and let him get after the quarterback. Because guy is athletic and he's fast. And I'm curious to talk to him and see what he actually weighs. I think he might be more than 230 now. I think some of the, the weights uh, on the initial roster are a little bit dated. Yeah, another guy who got a new number. Also, don't look for uh, don't look for thirty five on the defense. Cam Riley switched to switched to thirteen. Uh, we like the we like the lower numbers. It always looks uh, always looks make, makes you look a little bit more a little bit faster out there. Um, Jason, we'll we'll go now into just some questions we got from the board. Um, just kind of close things out. One of them was on Cam Riley, so we'll we'll go with that one. Um, it's what Mark just talked about. Is Cam Riley, W. Slay asked, is Cam Riley repping at multiple positions? Um, that's something we prodded about in spring practice uh schmetting kind of talked about him staying in that box because you know he wanted him to focus on just being a linebacker right now maybe in certain packages we saw uh chandler wooten do that a lot last season kind of float around because of his athleticism but um seems like maybe for right now he he's just hanging out at linebacker if they need him to come down then he might yeah uh you know obviously you know they, they play multiple positions at linebacker they'll be able to play Kind of the middle and and then that that weak side backer for him. So, yeah, I, I don't know that you know right now he's a guy that they're probably moving outside to that star position. Uh, I think you know that's probably going to be maybe a little bit more still Joko Willis. Um, you know, being kind of involved in that, even though he's still at the edge a little bit. I think he'll go back and forth some. But you, know, you look at Cam Riley and, and you look at all those guys. They all give you the ability to play multiple positions inside. That's kind of the way they're coached. That's kind of the way this defense works and. You know, it, the interesting thing to me was going to be how how this front seven kind of lines up um, because of that. Um, we haven't seen a traditional four three in a while. Last year we saw, you know, it was it was four three, but it's actually closer to a two four. Uh, you know, they had two interior guys, two edge guys, two linebackers, and five DBs. Um, can they play? You know, Derek Hall and, and Echo at the same time. You know that. That, you know, as much as they did last year, without a whole lot of depth behind them, those are some questions that I don't know that we can answer until you know they they get through camp, probably. You know, they, they've had depth issues at linebacker in the last two years, really, through no no fault of their own. Uh, uh, Wooten set out the COVID year, and then uh, uh, and basically Papo and uh, Ricochet Rap played almost every snap, and the match. And uh, and then last year you lose Papo and uh, uh, they just haven't had a lot of depth there. And uh, it seems like they may have a little more this year. Yeah, and in 2020, KJ Britt third game of the season 
out for the year with yeah, the, the I was thinking about yeah the thumb yeah yeah and when you know you look at it and when we talked you know Jeff Smetting about it a little bit they've got they've got numbers um now the question is will they you talked about trust a little bit will they will they turn them loose and let those guys get on the field we saw you know last year early in the season Derek Mason did not take advantage of that they they had opportunities in a couple other games to play some of those young defensive line and kind of get them going and you, know, you look this year and you essentially should have the same opportunity. Um, you know, San Jose State's probably a little bit better than than either Akron or Alabama State was early in the season last year. But you know, to to have the opportunity to build some depth with those linebackers, you know, with those defensive linemen. When you, you think about you know Jeffrey Emba and Jason Jones and um, you know Nisi Sledge, some of those guys, it's going to be important to to find the next three or four guys and yeah. one of those first couple of games could be really important before that Penn State game. You know, for whatever reason, Derek Mason, he didn't, he didn't play – he never played a lot of defensive linemen anywhere he was, and uh, which really flies in the face of what most people believe is, you know, you, you don't want those guys playing 60 snaps a game and uh, because it costs you at the end of the games. Do I think Jimmy Brumball understands – the SEC well enough, and the heat at Auburn, and the importance of over a long-term schedule, 13 games, you better play your backups and not wear down your key guys and keep keep your key guys healthy and ready to go in the fourth quarter because, you know, unless I'm sadly mistaken, Auburn is not going to be dominating people uh, a lot enough to uh, pull the start out in the fourth quarter. So, uh you better have those guys fresh and ready to go. How many? I'm looking at the pro football focus snap counts right now. Y'all take a guess. How many defensive linemen last year, talking not edge rushers, true D linemen, played 200 or more snaps on the season? Two. Mark and Phil. Auburn? Yeah, yeah Auburn. Auburn. Uh, I'd say three. Yeah. Oh, it's actually four, so it's a little bit higher. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we know we know two. We know Colby Wooden. We know Marcus Harris. Um, oh yeah, I, for, I forgot. I forgot Big Tony. Yeah, Probably maybe I should have said three hundred. Well, because yeah, uh, Colby and Marcus played. Colby played five ninety one. Marcus played five twenty seven. Uh, Pagese was just over two hundred at two hundred four, and then Tony Fair two fifty. Maybe I should have said over three hundred. Yeah, over three hundred over four hundred snaps is only. There's only two yeah. guys. So yeah, you'd yeah. like to be able to to. Sift that out a little bit more Absolutely, yes. That's that's. I mean, it's it's, and especially because, like I said, this year there may be three of those guys. Um, you may have three true defensive linemen in the game a lot more than we saw last year, and you have some opportunities, and and you know you're going to need those guys to step up. And we, and we saw it last year, um, especially in, in Mississippi State in the Alabama games, the the lack of pass rush late in the fourth quarter of those two games. You know, it wasn't the difference in winning or losing because the yeah. offense was, you know, left them out to dry, but but it, it played a big role in losing those two games. Especially Mississippi State. I mean, they they, they were completely gassed against Mississippi State, and uh, um, I, it seemed like they also against Alabama they backed off a lot on that last drive. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I you know I don't know what to expect really on either side of the ball. I mean, are they really going to – they keep talking about focusing on running the ball, but you can't just run it. 
and uh, so it's going it's to be interesting to see. And now, and now they use some of these guys like Landon and guys like that that, that are versatile. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting what Keesaw talked about moving him. Talked about moving him around. He said if he said if they got nickel covering uh covering the slot receiver, we'll put him in the slot. And uh, uh and if he can do all that, that he, that's a big that's a big plus if he can do that. Yeah, there's really not really not anybody like Landon King for them in terms of a pass catcher. I mean, John Samuel Shanker is is a pretty big dude, um, but I, I think you know maybe some high end athleticism Landon has got him beat there. And then you know a guy like Zay Capers has this pretty much the same height, but you know not as not as strong. Hasn't proven himself to be you know as as good at high pointing the ball. Um, so yeah, I mean I agree with Mark. I think you could definitely look at him stepping into a, a main role. Um, this season and in, in, in preseason camp. We'll, we'll keep flying through these questions, trying to knock them out. Um, Sunkissed Sky asks, is there still such a thing as two-a-days and does Coach Harson use a tower? Um, I, I think, Philip, uh, I mean, I think until maybe they move into the indoor facility, I would expect him to still use that same tower out there. And then at least, at least for the first few days of camp, they're going to have technically two-a-days because you've got the – the newcomers session, which both will be kind of blended to get proper numbers, but newcomer session in the morning and then the 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 returnees will yeah, be. Right well, you can have all you want to if it's not the same guys doing it. I right. mean, yeah. uh, two a days is in the rules is two a days for everybody, and there's it, the rules make it very difficult to have very many of them. And uh, uh, the uh, the old guys laugh about what. How easy the new guys have got it there. Season camp, but uh, 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 yeah, but two a days as they used to be are no more. That's that's gone. Yeah, that's, and that's probably good to be honest with you. Yeah, and uh, Mark, uh, the the thoughts of a tower is it's not there's towers out there, but they're not used quite the way Coach Die used a tower when you know now they're used for video and. And passing down video and film and all that stuff, it's it's not quite the same as it used to be, is it? Yeah, it's definitely different. And yeah, Phillips right. Uh, I mean, it's a long way from what we used to see with Coach Jordan and Coach Die, even Terry Bad. Uh, they had long practices in August, and I remember the year Coach Die said, "Ah, three days. That's not enough. We're going to do four days." And they actually had. The, f- the fourth practice wasn't much of a practice. It was basically a walkthrough at lunchtime with special teams. But I, if it was still hot out there in August in Alabama at uh, 1230 or 1 when they were doing it. And uh, I remember they would get started uh, sometimes before sunrise out there and, uh, when they were doing the three days and even two days. Well, the rule used to be based on practice opportunities. And you had – X number, and you were considered Auburn was on the quarter system, so they weren't in school all through camp, and they were considered to have two practice opportunities a day up until the week of the first game, and that used to drive Coach Jordan crazy because other teams would get would get to start a lot earlier because of the practice opportunities, and uh, but it was brutal. <laughs> It was brutal. There weren't any rules about when you could wear pads either, which was pretty much always. Uh, it was uh, it was a test, to say the least. Uh, it was survival of the fittest. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean they're 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 changing the rules all the time. I mean, even just this off season, you had in terms of the player run practices, uh, you know, greater allowments for coaches to get out there and and see guys and watch them. Obviously, they can't get on the field and instruct them in a practice session. Um, but Jason, there's a couple more questions here to to round us out. Both of them are about wide receivers. Right. Um, w Slay asked, "How's Malcolm Johnson doing?" Not much has been said about him, but the previous staff was very high on him. That's true. And then JJ, the Auburn fan, asked uh, for the word on Daz Worsham. Said, didn't see his name mentioned in the article the other day about guys competing for a spot in the rotation. I th- I, I, I referenced the wide receiver rotation. I didn't – kind of talking about the main rotation. Mm-hmm. Guy who's had a couple injuries. Guy who's transferring in. Didn't do anything at Miami. Could be a good player. I just you know, I don't necessarily feel the need to, to have him in there just yet. And then Malcolm Johnson. He was a starter in the spring. I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, what he does in the fall. Yeah, two more guys. Mark mentioned, you know, wide receiver depth, and and that's two more guys that, you know, have the ability um, and are different types of guys. Now, Nadas, Desalem Worsham can run, but to me, I, I think of Desalem Worsham more of a Ben Obamanu kind of guy. Now, Ben was really talented, made the NFL for a while, but he wasn't the burner that Devin was. He was more of a guy that, like, you need a, a tough one, a guy that go over the middle. He could do a little bit of everything. That's what I think about when I think about DeZalen. Uh, you know, watching him going back to his sophomore year at Hewitt Trustful, Javarius Johnson was kind of the big play threat. But then DeZalen, as a senior, became a guy that did everything. He he, he was everywhere, um, caught a ton of passes for them, and he's got really good hands. And he's kind of one of those guys that has a little bit of that about him. When you think about wide receiver, Coy Moore is one of those guys that obviously has that about him. We talked to him in recruiting. He's like, I felt like I was the best wide receiver on that LSU you know, roster. And like, oh, that makes you sit up and, and, and take notice a little bit because uh, that roster was pretty loaded for wide receivers a couple of years ago. But you look at, at Desaylor Worsham, he's got that a little bit about him too. And then Malcolm Johnson, you know, they referenced MJ a little bit, said, you know, one well, thing MJ today one time for Merrick Keesaw, but he's he can run, he's fast. And, you know, people forget, you know, that guy because of COVID, wasn't going to have a senior year of high school in Virginia. So he decided to come to Auburn early. So he's technically now just a you know 19-year-old guy, even though this is his third year of college. And so um, the physical maturity, all those things now, this is the kind of time where you go, okay, let's, let's, let's see what it's like. So I would expect him to have every opportunity um, to come on and, and just see what he can do for Ike Hilliard. And, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys involved. Um that's one that, that there may be as fierce a competition at wide receiver as there is anywhere on this team in, in this preseason camp. Jay, you mentioned being over mono. You, what you and I remember about being over mono is not catching passes. It's an afternoon in Selma, Alabama. It is. Yeah. Um, there's two things I remember about Ben. Uh, his, his commitment ceremony uh, in Selma and then him standing up, um, after dropping the pass against Ole Miss, oh, in that. that's that's one of the, that's one of the most that's one of the. I never admired anything a kid did more than I did that that because that was hard. Bring yeah. me bring me up to speed on that. So well, he dropped a touchdown pass against Ole Miss. It, it, right in the hands. It it was the game it, winner. It, it game winner. It, yeah, they would have beaten Eli Manning in, in that Ole Miss team. And when we say dropped a touchdown pass. We we mean he's standing flat footed looking at Jason Campbell and not throws covered. the ball, not and, he's unco- and he jumps because he thinks it's going to be a little high. And when he does, it actually comes about chest high, and he kind of jumped and it threw him off a little bit and dropped the ball. Uh, but you know, after the game, he comes in to to the media room, um, stands up there with his pads on, 
and stands up there and talks, takes questions. Um, and to me, it, you know, that season was kind of, you know, it was obviously a lost season, but it was one of those moments where I look back on now and, and see that was a building block for 2004 for an undefeated football team. Um, guys like that. Um, this team has some of those same qualities when you think about guys that came back. Um, but now you got to go and, and do it against, you know, as, as difficult a situation as anybody has when you start talking about the schedule that, that this team has to play every year. Um, you got to stay healthy. That That's what Auburn teams have done in the past. You got to stay really healthy and you got to have some breaks go your way. Um, but you know, now it's time for the, the talk in the end and, you kick it off. Let's go. You know, to, to, a little more to the wide receiver question from W. Slay. I think maybe an X factor here is the new wide receivers coach. And I think I Killyard is really good. And I know the wide receivers like him a lot. And position players and uh, other spots have mentioned to me how good a coach they think I Killyard is. So um, that might be something that really helps this group. And then, you know, Capers too. I mean, he's a guy, he's got all the tools, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the athletic ability. I mean, it's time for him to have a breakout season. He couldn't ask for a better opportunity this year. So I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah, you know, and there's there's those guys at the top like a Shed Jackson, um, but it it might just be only one guy that has got it completely locked down. Again, Malcolm Johnson was a guy that was a starter in the spring. I don't think anybody would necessarily pencil, you know, put him in in Sharpie right now over a guy like a coin more. So uh, you talk about competition easily going to be one of the most exciting groups to watch um, just the evolution day by day, seeing which guys are, are coming to the top in terms of the rotation. So many of those guys worked with Zach Calzada in the off season and TJ Finley. That was, that was well-documented. And so we'll kind of get to see, how that pays off for them. Um, like Jason mentioned, so recording this on, on Thursday night, um, things get rolling on Friday morning. We'll be at the practice field. There'll be tons of notes on the board. Of course, uh, all of our observations from practice talking to players tomorrow. And then we are getting back to the practice field for a, uh, for a newcomer session. So we're going to have a lot of, a lot of fun stuff planned for you guys, especially uh, in terms of streaming and, and the YouTube channel as well. We're going to do some, uh, some practice footage breakdown. So we're excited to, uh, we're excited to bring that to y'all. Yep, and uh, let me let me throw one more wide receiver before we get done because uh, Camden Brown is a guy that I fully believe will yep. be in the playing rotation by the time the season's over with. He, he mentioned they don't have anybody like Landon King. They don't have anybody like Camden Brown either. He is a, a physical kind of a beast kind of player. Looks you like know, Seth Williams. He looks like Seth a little bit. Um, really good ball skills. I think he's a guy that, that I'm going to be watching to see how quickly he can kind of maneuver around the offense, do some of those things. Because based on listening to Keesaw today and, and Brian Harson, the ability to play and move guys around to multiple positions is going to be really important. Um, how quickly can you get to that, you know, and, and, and make those moves? Yeah, he's the guy who played at St. Thomas Aquinas, which state championship in the big schools in Florida, they could probably beat a lot of small college teams. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty loaded. You mentioned, you mentioned the question about – Hadn't heard this guy mention that guy mentioned. I think sometimes people have to remember a coach gets asked about who's impressed you, and he mentions this guy or mentions that guy, and just because he doesn't mention somebody doesn't mean that he's that he's fallen behind. It just means he didn't think about him at the moment. 
And uh, uh, I think it all, like I said, the wide receiver, the, who's going to play at wide receiver could be one of the more interesting things to watch in all the camp. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's going to be something that we'll be tracking um, over the course of the next, it's going to be almost a month until uh, until the season gets going. And so, Four weeks um, from Saturday. Sorry? Four weeks from Saturday. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. And so uh, this is this is quite possibly the busiest time of our entire calendar. Yes. Um, because it's that's that's what I always tell people. You know, I always talk about football season. I'm like, ah, there's there's really nothing like fall camp where it's just every single day or every other day. Um, right, fall, season structured. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Fall fall camp and fall camp and then the spring where where you have spring football, basketball, baseball, softball all overlapped are the two busiest times of the year. Yeah, the football season is 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 where you go. Okay, now you know exactly what you're doing almost every day, and it, it you know you kind of get into that little bit of routine. But no routine for the next uh, at least 14, 15 days for sure. No, not at all. And we got a we got a nice uh, you know knuckle cracker early in the day when the when the TJ Finley stuff was happening, and it was kind of a reminder. All right, here we go into uh, into a lot of craziness over the next uh, the next few weeks. So uh, keep it locked, of course, guys. AuburnUndercover.com. We're gonna have podcasts every day, every other day, pretty much. Again, we'll do we'll, we'll see how we end up doing the practice video stuff. I'm ex- I'm really excited to do that. Um, I don't know if that'll exclusively be a YouTube thing. We'll, we'll see about turning that into a podcast because I don't know how viable us, us saying, look at that, you know, route and then you're listening <laughs> yeah. to it, not seeing anything. I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. But we'll be excited to, to get that rolling on Friday. And so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, please go leave us a five star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud and Instagram. And until the next episode, which I imagine will be probably Saturday morning, where we'll be talking about uh, what we saw at practice, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great Friday.